Hey everyone, I'm Kevin Wallace from Redemption to the Nation's Church, and I'm grateful that we are going to have this opportunity to bring this message of hope, healing, and restoration to you and your family today. I want you to stay with me till the end. I'm going to come back and pray. Be blessed by the word of the Lord. John's Gospel. I want to take you first to the 12th chapter, and then I will take you to the 20th chapter. John chapter 1, I should say, and John chapter 20. If you know something about theology, you know that they call John chapter 1 the prologue. And there is a direct attempt to connect what happened in Genesis 1 as God created the heavens and the earth, there is a direct connection between that and what is about to be said here in John's gospel, the first chapter. It sounds similar because something similar is going on in John 1 that went on in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That's Genesis 1. But John 1 is written by a man who had seen Jesus die and rise again. And so whereas God created it in Genesis 1 and the devil screwed it up, Jesus came and unscrewed it and recreated what God had already created that the enemy had destroyed. How many are thankful we're living in a recreated, new kind of li living and life? I I'm not telling you the world is different. I'm telling you we're different. Can anybody testify you're different? And how many know one day the world will become different? And so John chapter one is gonna sound familiar if you read Genesis at all, and it's intended to, it says this. Chad, I'm gonna ask you if you'll get the fifth verse ready in the ESV, the ESV if possible, or the NIV, whichever one you prefer, but I want them to see the different word used, and I'm going to preach that in just a few moments. Gospel of St. John, the first chapter says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. Listen to this carefully. In Him was the life. And the life was the light of men. Say that verse with me. Say, in him was life. And say, and the life was the light of men. And the light shone in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. And put it in that other version if you don't mind. Because the Bible says in the NIV and the ESV and the NASV and several translations it says, And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. So there are two things there going on and I'm going to explain to you why two different interpreters interpreted the same word in two different ways. We'll get to that. But how many are thankful that the light is still shining? How many are grateful that the darkness does not overcome the light? Now I want you to go to John 20 and let us read the, the resurrection story. Because the Bible said in him was the life and the life was the light of men and the light shone in the darkness. And I'm going to read just one passage of scripture over here in John chapter 20 verse number 1. 
And then I'm going to preach with the help of God's Holy Spirit today on this thought. There is light in the midst of darkness. Now on the first day of the week, say first day of the week. Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. And she saw the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Mary went to the tomb while it was still dark. Help us today, Lord, on Resurrection Sunday to understand the power that the light has over the darkness. And for every person in this room today, oh God, that is sitting or standing in their own darkness, I want to announce the light is coming. And that the light is going to expel the darkness from their life. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. The light is coming. The light is coming. The light is coming. Darkness, I'm giving you about 30 minutes to pack your stuff because the light is coming. The light is coming. I announce to you, darkness, you better get a U-Haul and back it up and take your stuff with you because the light is coming. The light is coming. The light is coming. Lives are getting ready to be changed. Chains are getting ready to break. Yokes are getting ready to be destroyed. Light is coming. Oh, praise you, Lord. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Today, I want to begin this Resurrection Sunday message in a way that might come as a shock or a surprise to you. We who have come on this Resurrection Easter Sunday, we are accustomed to brightness and even color. Look, look at all of us looking so fine today. It's, we got our suits on and hair did and bright life, colors, dancing and the lights and all that comes with Resurrection Sunday as we celebrate the risen Christ. I am almost nervous about beginning this message with what the Bible begins this day with because as we come to Resurrection Sunday, all of us are looking for life. We all want that glorious hope to spring forth. But the first Resurrection Sunday did not begin with color and majesty and splendor and celebration. I would have imagined dancing going on at the tomb. I would have imagined celebration breaking out at the tomb of Joseph. But as you read the text on the first Resurrection Sunday, the Bible is clear that it begins in darkness. This is interesting because darkness here through the writer John doesn't mean what it means in other places. It's very similar, but there is a distinct difference. When John talks about it being dark or he talks about darkness in his gospel or his epistles, he is not talking about the physical absence of light. Can we kill the, the lights for just two seconds? Is that possible, Lester? Oh, yeah. Now there's still some light shining, but you see how quickly it got dark and the darkness comes as an absence of light. That is a physical reality. Thank you, Lester. Before they go to sleep, turn the lights on. But when John uses the word darkness or dark, he is not speaking of a physical reality that happens as a result of the absence of light. 
John uses a slightly different word in his language and in his story and in his gospels than the rest of the gospel writers. They all use the word skotos, but John uses the word for darkness, skotia, and it has just a slight variation and it's indicating not just a physical darkness, but rather a spiritual or mental absence of revelation. Whenever you see John talking about darkness, he is not talking about a dark room. I come into this building sometimes and I pray by myself at weird hours and I always turn the lights on because I don't like the dark. And if you come into a building this big at, at, at five o'clock in the morning and you start praying, you will hear things. And you start binding demons that are loose and you, you start rebuking stuff over in the corner over there behind the curtain and you're like, I'm going over there to turn this light on. I'm gonna see what in the world. Because I don't like the dark. But there is a darkness that, that John speaks of that is not just like a dark room. It is like a room you can walk into and your mind be filled with questions and have no answers. There's a darkness that John speaks about that is a spiritual darkness that has nothing to do with the ambiance of a room. It has to do with spiritual ignorance or not knowing the plan and purpose and the will of God, scotia, darkness. It's why John could say things like this. In 1 John, he would say things like, if you don't love your brother and your sister, you are living in darkness. He is not talking about you're walking around in living rooms and in stores and you have no light on. He's talking about you can walk in a room that's bright with light, but on the inside you're dark. You have no revelation. You have no understanding. You have more questions than answers. Chaos and, and, and fear and just the sense of the absent, uh, absence of God's work and judgment in your life. That's what darkness means to John. So when we come to this first Resurrection Sunday in John 20, and the Bible says that she came and it was still dark. It's not just that there was an absence of natural light at the tomb that day. It's that Mary was dealing with some questions and some chaos and some confusion in her own mind and in her own spirit. There was some stuff going on that she didn't understand. There was some stuff she was processing she didn't know how to work through. There was some stuff that she was dealing with that she couldn't talk to nobody else about. But Mary still came even though she was in the dark. Have you ever come after Jesus in a state of chaos? Have you ever pursued him and wanted him when you had more questions than you did answers? Have you ever walked through a season where you say, I know what they taught me in Sunday school, I know what they preached to me in church, but my situation and my experience doesn't line up with what they told me. They told me God was good, but some crazy stuff is happening. They told me he was Jesus, but I just watched him die on Friday. They told me that if I, if I was faithful, God would bless me, but it seemed like every time I turn around, something else crazy happens in my life, darkness. And Mary comes to the tomb in the dark. Just like some of you came to church this morning. Life has some stuff going on that you don't know how to process. Help me, Lord. 
Life has given you some situations you don't know how to rectify and reconcile with your theology. Life has dealt you a hand of cards that you're not quite sure how to play. You got some problems and you got some questions and you got some issues going on and you got some mess in your money and some mess in your marriage and some mess in your relationships and you got some troubles in your business and you got some troubles in your mind. You don't get rest sometimes. You got more questions than you do answers and just like Mary in spite of all the hell breaking loose and the chaos you're processing on the inside, you came anyway. And why would Mary come to the tomb anyhow? I want to submit to you, Mary came to the tomb because she had a history with him. I've got questions. I've got some chaos I'm working through. I've got some stuff I'm processing, but I remember what he did for me. I want to remind you that this Mary was Mary Magdalene. This is not this, this woman that was born speaking in tongues and, and had all of these titles and was some important somebody. This was a woman out of whom he cast seven devils. Y'all ain't talking to me on Easter. And she had a real crazy kind of past and she was the one who had been delivered by this man and because she had a history with him, she came back to the tomb to anoint his dead body. She did not anoint him for death. He was already dead. If you study what she was doing, she was coming back to the tomb to anoint him with spices so that the decay did not overtake the sweetness of the anointing and she wanted to dignify him in death because she honored him and she honored him because she had a history with him. There are some of us who came to this church today in the middle of our darkness but we came because we have a history with him and we're not here to show you our new suit and we are not here to display our new hair. We are here because we remember what it was like to be filled with devils and the devil was talking to us and driving us crazy but when I look, 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 look back over my life, I know it was him that brought me out and we have a history. Oh, inform your neighbor right now. Tell them, neighbor, I have a history with God. There's a reason why I will shout in your ear and dance on your purse and I might swing my hands and get on your nerves but you can't possibly understand why I am this thankful unless you were there the night he brought me out. You would never, I've got a history. That's why some people have to be begged to praise God. Some people have to be talked into a praise. But those who have a history, all they need is one note on a piano. All they need is one note on an organ. And and I didn't even know he was up there. Look at God. But when you think back at the history you have, it'll make you come to the tomb in the dark and thank him one more time for everything he done to set you free. Slap three people, tell them I got a history. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are telling me to turn around, but you came too late. I have a history. There's a lot of people saying God ain't real, but you came too late. I have a history. Sit, we just, we did introduction here. Sit down, please. 
we have a history. She came because she had a history with him. And I want to say this to you. She came. Where's all them brothers? I thought I had 12. But there's only one or two here now and neither one of them are a man. It was the sisters. I'm going to preach here. You want to know where the men were? I'm going to tell you where the men were. The Bible said that the men were hiding behind the closed door for fear of the Jews. Mary said, I don't give a flying flip about the Jews or what they do to me. I got a history. I want to tell somebody in this room right now, you're going to have to get over the fear of man and you're going to have to come out of your closet and you're going to have to get out of your house and you're going to have to go thank the one that brought you out of dark. Come on in here, sisters. Where are my sisters at? Where are them women at that say, you know what, if I got to raise these children by myself, if I got to go to church all by myself, I'm going to say thank you to the man that brought me out and delivered my soul. Now, unless you think I'm beating up on the men, I understand why they were, they were a little bit delayed because they, under, they understood that the Jews were going to kill everybody connected to Jesus. But Mary didn't care about dying. Mary came to the tomb to dignify the dead body of Jesus. And when she got there, in the dark, the Bible said she noticed there was enough light to notice that the stone was there and Jesus was not in the grave. Now, 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 watch this, watch this. It's dark, but there's just enough light to see something has changed. The problem is this. There was still darkness, which caused her to incorrectly assume someone had stole his body. Now let me paint the picture for you. Because when she came and saw an empty tomb, she could have said, oh my Lord, what he said has come to pass. He is alive. But darkness was prevalent and present and so instead of making that understanding, she didn't connect that dot. Instead, she looked at the empty tomb and did not say someone, she did not say he's alive. She said someone stole his body. When darkness is present in your life, it'll make you come to the wrong conclusion. You will look at a tomb that is supposed to be an announcement of resurrection and instead of saying, oh God, he's alive, you will say crazy things in the dark like somebody stole his body. And she runs back to the house of Peter and she tells all the disciples a false report. Now, I ain't mad about it. She's just saying what she feels. But the reason she doesn't understand the moment correctly is because she's operating in the dark. And there are too many people in the church exposed to the light but sitting in the dark. And instead of saying he's alive, you're saying somebody stole his body. Instead of saying you're the head, you're saying I'm the tail. Instead of saying I'm blessed,
curse coming in, you're saying I'm cursed going out. You got one option and you ought to see life, but instead the darkness has caused you to say, somebody stole what I came looking for. I want to tell you right now that what you're looking for has not been stolen. It is alive. I want you to look at your neighbor right now and tell your neighbor, neighbor, you better find your best praise. What would you do if you found out that the thing you came to church looking for is not stolen? The devil don't have the power to steal it. The de death don't have the power to take it. The enemy don't have the power to keep it. You need a shift. Slap your neighbor. Tell him your mind is about to change. You've been talking like you're living in the dark. You've been acting like you're living in the dark. You've been believing the report of darkness, but we shall believe the report of the Lord. The Bible did not say someone was going to steal his body. Jesus told his disciples no man takes my life I lay it down and if I lay it down I got the power to pick it back up again destroy this temple if you will but give me three days and I'll raise it back up again she's in the dark and when you live in a state of darkness it clouds your perspective it confuses your judgment and you live beneath the level of revelation God is intending for you to live in. She's in the dark. And so because she's in the dark in her mind, she runs home and says, Peter, John, they took his body. And I don't know where they laid him. So they all go running back to the tomb. And she goes back to the tomb. And she goes back because she has it history and she goes back with these two men and when they get back to the tomb the text teaches us that Peter and John I don't have time to talk and I've taught it before but Peter and John run to the tomb John is younger so he outruns Peter and John gets to the tomb first but he waits to go in because although he's young he's still a man of honor and he waits on the older man to get there. I don't care how young you are and fast you run you need Peter to show up at the tomb before you go in Let me go on. They come to the tomb and they see nothing inside the tomb. Watch this. If this would have been me and you, we would have danced. Do you hear what I'm saying? Do you hear the words that are coming out of my mouth? We would have danced at that tomb. We would have looked in and said, oh, he's like, Tobin would have put on a garment of praise. Me and Jojo and Tobin and Seth and, and Nate and the whole team and Julie and we would have went crazy. Do you understand? I would have passed out shouting. But they look in and see nothing and what does the Bible say? No shouting. No rejoicing. No glory and no happiness. It says the two men went back home in fact I'm almost shook as I read all four gospel accounts of the resurrection because in all four gospels the disciples are having a hard time getting it it's like I'm alive and they're like this is weird we just saw you die. 
Isn't the veil of the flesh a powerful thing? That it keeps us blinded sometimes. It keeps our eyes from being able to see so clearly. The next time you feel so hard on yourself like you're not spiritual enough, you need to be reminded that even the 12, the disciples who saw him resurrected had a hard time believing what they were seeing. They were there. They saw the scars. They saw his ribbon side healed. They saw the prints in his hands and feet. They saw the scars and they still struggled. The next time some arrogant Pharisee comes and acts like you ain't all there and you haven't arrived yet because you're still working through your darkness, tell the devil to get under your feet. I'm not here today because I got it all together. In fact, I'm here today standing in a little bit of darkness in my own mind, in my own life, in my own, I'm working through some stuff. I'm getting some question answered, but I came because I still somewhere down deep believe that he is who he said he is and he can do what he said he'll do. If you haven't figured it all out yet, join the rest of us. I'm telling you right now, you ought to be thankful that God lets you get close even when you don't completely understand it all. And I want to tell you this, don't let anybody tell you if you struggle with a doubt sometimes that you ain't saved. Doubt is not an invitation or an indication that you're not born again. Doubt is an invitation into a deeper faith. It's when you wrestle through the doubt and you come out still believing that you look back and tell the devil you should have stole my mind when you had a chance. I've come too far to turn back now. I wrestled through that. I lost some sleep but I got up this morning and I've got a feeling everything is gonna be all right. And in order for you to understand this passage appropriately, and I to understand this passage appropriately, I think we have to go back to the prologue. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Here we go. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him that was made. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was the life and that life was the light of mankind what was in Jesus became a light for humanity the life in Christ was the light of humanity this explains bitch why the devil wanted to kill Jesus because as long as he's alive, the life in him, read the text, the life in Christ was the light of all men. So Satan said, if I can take his life, I can steal their light. This is why men walk in darkness because they reject the one who has the life. And when you reject the one who is life, you lose the light that he brings. So if I can kill Jesus, I can steal Nathan's light. If I kill Jesus, I can steal Andy's light. If I can take Jesus' life, I can take Will Mari's ability to see. So in order for me to keep y'all in darkness, I'm going to kill God. 
How are you going to kill God? I'm glad you asked. I'm going to tie him to a whipping post. And I'm going to take a cat of nine tails. And they're going to beat him until his side is riven. And they're going to beat him until the blood pours out. I'm glad you asked me how you kill God. Because I'm not only going to tie him to a whipping post. I'm going to crown him with thorns. And I'm going to smite him with the fist of evil men. And they're going to hit him on the back with a rod. And they're not going to finish with that. They're going to make him carry his own cross up a hill. How do you kill God? I'm glad you asked. You put him on a cross and you nail him with three nails through his hands and his feet. And they stretched him wide and they hung him high. And I want to tell you as sure as I'm standing here on the side of a hill, on the outskirts of the city, on a, on a Friday afternoon, God died. And when they killed Jesus, some of y'all don't like that. I can tell. They, they, you didn't kill God. Is Jesus God? Then God died. And they killed God. And he bled. And he suffered. And the women wept. And the soldiers mocked. And the disciples hid. And Jesus died. And I know he died. And I know he was the life. Because the Bible said in Luke 22 verse 34 that at the ninth hour on that Friday, which is about 3 p.m. in the afternoon, 6 p.m. in the afternoon, nine, at the ninth hour on Friday, watch this, it said total darkness covered, don't, don't miss this in your Bible, it didn't cover Jerusalem. Your Bible says in Luke twenty two thirty four 34, that darkness covered the whole earth. Why did darkness cover the whole world? Because the life that was the light of men had been snatched out of the body of Jesus. And when he died on that hillside, Gave up his last breath. The Bible said, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders and he died. And darkness covered the earth. And it stayed dark for three hours. Hell had some kind of party. Can I preach it like I feel it today? Hell had some kind of party. Can you imagine the devil watching him heal the lame leg? Can you imagine hell nervous because every time he walked into a graveyard, he took somebody up out of a grave and brought them home back to their family? Can you imagine how bad hell had a nervous breakdown? Every time he walked into a sick room, he emptied out the hospital and blind people started saying, I can see. And lame people started jumping up talking about, I can walk. And deaf people started hearing and the mute started speaking. Come on, somebody. Can you imagine how nervous hell was every time he walked into 
a funeral. He upset the funeral. He turned the grave. He turned the grave digger up on the side of his head and said, "We don't need you to dig no grave. This boy is not about to die. He's about to go back home to his mama." Can you imagine how nervous hell was every time Jesus came into the proximity of darkness? And instead of it staying dark, he simply became the light, and everything that was in him got inside those broke, busted, and disgusted people, and their life was transformed forever. Because in him was life. So, Lazarus, you can't stay dead. Why not? Why can't Lazarus stay dead? He's been dead four days. And had you been here, y'all ain't helping me preach. Had you been here, Jesus, he would still be alive. And he looked back at her and said, he ain't dead. He's just sleeping. He's getting ready to get up. And she looked back at him. Don't miss this. And she said, oh, I know he's going to get up on resurrection day. He said, no, Jack, you missed it. I am the resurrection and I am the life when you are the life and you show up to a graveyard full of death all you gotta do is overrule the death how do you do that you open up your mouth and let what's inside of you get in the atmosphere and when she when he walked in that graveyard he said Lazarus come had he not called Lazarus name Had he just said, get up out of the tomb, every dead person on that hillside would have heard the voice of the resurrection and the life, and we would have had a mess on our hands because a bunch of dead people would have come up out of their grave. I'm telling you, he had to call Lazarus' name, just like he had to call your name. And when he calls your name, I don't know how dead you are or how long you've been buried, but somebody better get ready to rip off them grave clothes. Hallelujah. So, so, so the fifth verse says, watch, watch, watch. Fourth verse says, the dark, he, he, he came into the world and the darkness, he's, his light shone in the darkness. And then it gets to the fifth verse and it says, and the darkness, they killed him to get the life out of him. Because if we can take the life out of him, his life is their light. So if we want them to live in darkness, take his life. So they took his life on Friday. But Sunday's coming. I'm gonna keep preaching this till somebody gets it. I said Sunday's coming. Hell had a party, but their party's going to come to a quick conclusion. I know the earth is covered in darkness, but something is happening back there at the temple while he died. Oh, glory, I feel like preaching here. When he died on that cross, he didn't even have to go into the temple. The Bible said in the temple that the veil that separated humanity from glory was not ripped from the bottom to the top. It was ripped from the, oh, I feel like preaching. It was ripped from the top to the bottom. Why? Because if it was ripped from the bottom to the top, it meant man would have had his hands on it but God put his hand on the veil and said I'm tired of separation from my people he said I'm gonna send my son and he's going to tear down the wall of separation and on Friday when Jesus died God ripped the veil in two so that you could come into the glory of the Lord and 
and the light shines in the darkness. It does not wait on the darkness to stop being darkness. Thank you, baby. In fact, John, in every other verb in this text, uses the past tense. But in the fourth verse, and pardon me, the fifth verse, he said, and the light shines. And I want to tell you that the word shines is a verb, and the tense of the verb is the uh, perfect aortist, which uh, y'all say, what in the world does that mean? It means this, the light shined. The light is shining and the light will always shine. It doesn't matter when you pick that Bible up to read that scripture. At every point in your life you read it, the darkness is still being put out and the light is still shining. Somebody needs to praise God that the light has shined, the light is shining, and the touch your neighbor, tell them the light will always shine. I don't know what's going to happen in the next election, but the light is going to keep on shining. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 10 years, but the light is going to keep on shining. Some of you are afraid you're going to lose your 401k, your IRA, your pension, and your retirement. I don't know what's going to happen to your account, but I know one thing, the light is going to keep on shining. I don't know what child of yours is going to get hooked on another drug, but don't lose hope. The light is going to keep on shining. It doesn't matter what the next disease is, the next virus, the light is going to keep on shining. Ready for this? The light shines, I'm closing here, which if you're a guest means absolutely nothing. The light shines in the darkness. Follow me here, let me teach. And the darkness does not paralambano it. Lord, I'm feeling Greek today. <laughs> Say paralambano. That's the word used on the last part of the fifth verse of John 1. Light shines in darkness and the darkness does not paralambano the light. And there is a reason why, Chad, can you put those two scriptures up on the screen? First, the King James, whichever you want to choose first. I'll preach off of whatever you put up first. The fifth verse, get both of those translations ready, please. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not comprehend it. And the other version says, and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. Why are these two words used? I'm glad you asked. Because the verb paralambano can mean either. How? Just like the word grasp. It's like that word. Paralambano means light shines in the darkness and the darkness doesn't grasp it. Like it doesn't comprehend it. But it also means light shines in the darkness and the darkness can't snatch it and grasp it away. So they weren't sure which meaning the verb John meant. So as I studied it this week, I came to my own conclusion. He meant both. If I was writing my own translation, I would say light shines right now in the darkness and the darkness doesn't understand it and the darkness cannot stop it. Woo. I feel like I'm about to preach on my way to my car but I came to tell somebody that the light is shining and the darkness you're worried about the darkness standing by you at your tomb it does
doesn't comprehend that the darkness does not comprehend what the light is up to can I preach to you that darkness never comprehends the light if darkness could understand what the light was up to they would have never killed Jesus but darkness killed him because darkness thought it could keep him dead why are you bouncing because darkness cannot keep God dead he came back to life darkness can't comprehend it so that's why when you go through a problem and a pain in your life and the devil says see God ain't for you you know what you tell the devil you don't understand if you understood what God was up to you would quit messing with me in fact the devil's going to regret he ever got in your business in the first place because when God gets when God gets through with your testimony some good is about to come up out of your life some good is about to come up out of your pain some good is about to come up out of your tomb the devil told you it was over but the light shineth the light doesn't stop shining the light shines and the darkness cannot comprehend it doesn't understand what God is doing when you go through a bad season or a rough time and you think you know what's happening and the devil tells you he knows what's happening, tell the devil, you are lying. Wonder, you can't possibly know what God is up to because the darkness cannot comprehend. Touch three people on Easter Sunday, tell them something good's coming. I know you're having a hard time believing it right now, but something's good coming out of that bad report you got. Some good is coming up out of that bankruptcy you just went through. Some good is coming out of that problem you just came out of. The devil wants you to stay messed up and tied up and bound up in your past, but I wish you would praise him like you believe. Darkness cannot understand it. Your friends won't be able to understand it. God is getting ready to take your pain and turn it into fruit. God is getting ready to take your misery and turn it into a message. Oh Lord. I'm done with this. But not only does darkness not able to understand it, darkness cannot overcome the light. That's why they killed him and they took his life. And the whole world was covered in darkness. And three days later, some cray cray happens. Cause darkness can't understand it. And because God knew what he was going to do before Satan knew what he was going to do. He said, yeah, go ahead and kill him on Friday. But what you don't understand, I tried to tell you when Lazarus was raised from the dead, that he's not just a normal man. What you don't understand is if you kill him on Friday, you're going to have a problem. Because unless a seed dies, it abideth alone. But if you ever mess up and kill the seed, the seed will go down into the soil. And after some time, that dying seed come becomes dead. And after the seed dies, it actually breaks apart. And when it breaks apart, it shoots up a root. And then it produces fruit and you got more of the same than what you tried to kill Lord have mercy I feel like getting happy the devil tried to kill Jesus but what he didn't know is that when he killed Jesus on Friday he woke up with a family 
of people just like him on Sunday morning. Oh Lord. Touch somebody, tell them I'm in the family. I'm in the family. Don't mess with me because the same spirit that raised him from the dead is the one living on the inside of me. I'm part of the family. Stand with me. Stand with me. I, woo! Glory, glory. When they killed Christ, they were trying to take your light because they understood that in him was the life and the life was the light of men. I want you to look at the last verse of the 20th chapter of John. It said this, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Hear me. If you're walking in the dark, it's not because Jesus is dead. It's because darkness has put a veil on your eyes. I have good news on Easter Sunday. He's still alive. And because he's alive, light. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives. All my fear is gone. Cause I know I'm so glad I know he holds my future. My life is worth Somebody worship him for the life. Woo! I feel light coming on in some hearts right now. It's been a dark season, but I feel light breaking for singing again because he lives. I wish I could find some worshipers here. I can face tomorrow. Because he lives All my fear is gone Because I know Somebody say I know He holds my future My life is worth <laughs> If you're in this room today and you feel like life is full of darkness and you came anyway, you gotta ask yourself, why would you come to church on Easter? if you didn't want to give it all to God. Ain't nobody wants to fight with a crowd and park three miles away and 
check your kids into that crazy children department. Ain't nobody wants to do with all that if you don't have a hunger for life. So there's no sense in coming to church on Resurrection Sunday and leaving in the dark. But don't manipulate, I ain't manipulating you, I'm helping you make sense of something. There's a reason why you came to church. Because you're ready to come home. You say, Pastor Kevin, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how dark my darkness is. I don't. But if I had time, I would sit down and tell you about my own darkness he brought me out of. In fact, I think I'm in a room with some people. If we had some time, we don't have no time. Because I know you got a ham in the oven. But I want to tell you, if you had some time, how many people in here could sit down and tell folk about some darkness he brought you out of? Don't go home in the dark. Light is invading darkness today. If you're in this room, heads are bowed and eyes are closed and we're real still for the next minute and a half. If you're in this room today and you say, Pastor Kevin, I came with some darkness in my life, but I want to leave in the light. Would you pray for me, please? I need to give my life completely, totally. My questions, my chaos, my confusion, my turbulence, my problems, self-created issues, stuff I did to myself. I need to turn my life over to God today. My heads about and eyes are closed. If I'm preaching to you, talking to you, if, I, if it's resonating in your heart and you just need to say yes, when I say three, lift that hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I don't want to stay in the dark. I want to come into the light. One, two, three. God bless you back there. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Oh, back there in the corner, I see you. God bless you. You can all put your hands down. I want everyone to do the work of an evangelist right now. I don't care if the person standing on your side is your best friend, your spouse, your child. If you've known them all your life or you never met them before today. The person on your left and right have a soul. That soul has an eternal destiny. God could change the trajectory of their life now if somebody would just lean over and ask them, do you need someone to go to the altar with you and pray? And if you lifted your hand, or you should have, when your neighbor asks you if you need to pray, come out of your seat. Your neighbor will come with you, and I'll stand right here in this altar and wait on anybody who wants to come out of the dark into the light. Ask your neighbor right now all over this room. Say, do you need someone to go pray with you? If you lifted your hand or you should have, come on out your chair. Just come on out your chair right now. You're not going home in the dark. This is a house of light. Come on, God bless you for coming. God bless you for coming. There's room for everybody to come. Come on. They're coming, they're coming. I want you to praise God with angels. They're coming. They're coming down this aisle and they're coming down. Come on here. Come on, church. My God, my God, my God. I'm not going home in the dark. I'm not going home dead. I'm not going home disconnected. They're still coming and I'm still praising them. They're still coming and we ought to praise them. still coming my god they're still coming come on come on there's room there's room there's room there's life there's life there's hope come on it's happening here it happened in cleveland it's happening in athens somebody help me celebrate life come on church don't ever quit praising god when one sinner comes home the bible said angels are going crazy right now somebody rejoice 
Come on, pal, come on. Bring your family, bring your sons, bring your daughters, bring your mama, bring your daddy, bring grandma and grandpa. Come by yourself. Whatever you do, don't go home like you came. Come on. They're still coming, my God. Somebody shout. Come on. Whole family's coming right there. Come on. I feel victory in the house of the Lord. There's a whole family coming again. Somebody keep on praising God. Come on. I need some more prayer warriors, pastors. Come help me. People are coming to the altar. Lift your hands and worship the Lord. Lift your hands and give God the glory. Hallelujah. Whole families are coming. My God, whole families are coming. I give you praise. I give you praise. We declare the enemy has to loose them today. Light is breaking in the midst of darkness. Hope is coming in the midst of a garden. Jesus, we thank you. 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 Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know.
you have to go, we certainly understand. But if you're going to stay for the next two minutes, I want you to take your communion elements in your hand. And I want you to know this. I waited strategically to the end of this message because I felt like God helped me to see something. It was during the breaking of bread that the eyes of the disciples on the road to Emmaus came open. And they stepped out of darkness and they could not see Jesus until they broke the bread with him. And then all of a sudden the Bible says in Luke's gospel that their eyes came open and they saw him. I want you to take the bread in your hand today. This bread represents his body and life that was given as a ransom for us all. And may you eat it today and your eyes come open to who he is and all he done for you and I, the body of Christ given for us, take and eat today. And in the same way he took the cup, he said, this is a New Testament in my blood and every time you drink this cup, remember me. And some of us need to see him again and in order to see him, you need to remember him. You haven't thought about him maybe in a while. But as you drink the cup of his blessing, the cup of Kaddish, as Devin talked about last Sunday night, it's the cup of yes. I'm saying yes to his request for betrothal. Some of you haven't thought about him in a while, but you're getting ready to have a renewed mind. And as you drink this cup this morning, may your heart and mind come open to the goodness of Jesus and his love for you, the cup of Christ given for us, take and drink. church said amen let's give him one praise one more on this come on on this resurrection sunday let's give him one more praise one more good praise put your communion cup down and put those hands together and open up that mouth and give god praise all over this room come on 30 or 40 50 60 people i don't know who just got saved but i'm telling you people were born again all morning long we ought to praise him and thank him for it Don't forget baptism is next Sunday. If, if you need to be baptized, sign up. Go in the peace of God. May the Lord bless you on this resurrection Sunday morning. I love you. Pastor Devin loves you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Go in the peace of God. Oh, Friend, I believe God is a miracle-working God, and the greatest miracle that God could ever work in your life is the gift of salvation. And I believe today somebody's watching me who says, Pastor Kevin, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to God. I want to serve the Lord. I want Jesus to save me. Let's pray this prayer together today. Mean it in your heart. Say, dear God, I repent of my sins. I turn to you today, Lord Jesus, believing that you're the Son of God and that you died for my sins. Forgive me, Lord Jesus. Come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Listen, friend, if you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to kevinwallace.tv and I just want you to drop us a prayer request and let us know that you gave your heart to Christ. Our team want to pray for you. We want to make sure that you're in a good, loving, Bible-believing church wherever you're from and that you continue to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ. The best days of your life are still ahead of you and we're praying for you today. God bless. I look forward to seeing you next week right here.